Welcome to Journey to Medicine. I'm your host, Nathan Barreth, an incoming biomedical sciences student at the University of Calgary. Today, my guest is Dr. Melody Biette. Dr. Biette practices family medicine in the Peace region of Alberta, Canada, and is a recent medical graduate from the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary and completed a residency at the University of Alberta. Dr. Biette, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. First off, um, could you just give myself as well as the listeners just a feel for, for who you are and, and how you've gone to this point within the medical field today? Sure. I have a bit of an unconventional journey to medicine, but I also have very recent experience in residency, so I think that's relevant. I came to medicine older than most people, and I already have a family and kids, so that's not the usual route, but... Um, As you said, I just finished my family med residency through the U of A at one of the rural sites, and I'm locoming now as staff. So I always wanted to do medicine when I was your age. I actually shadowed a surgeon in my hometown two half days a week for all of grade 12, which was a really great opportunity. I always thought I wanted to be a general surgeon. Um, I did my undergrad in biology in Saskatchewan. I wrote my MCAT. Looking back, I probably didn't do that great on my MCAT. I probably would have rewritten it. But at the same time, I met my husband and he had a job offer in Alberta in the peace country. And I was kind of burnt out from school. So I thought, oh, maybe I don't really want to be a doctor. A lot of school for sure. Yeah, it's a lot. And you work so hard to have competitive grades for medicine. Mm. So anyway, we moved and um, we started having a family and kind of settled into his job. Uh, In the meantime, I had a tutoring business in math and science, and that kept kept my brain active. Um, But it really was a good time for me to gain life experience and to like with my husband's job he worked with people that were going through very difficult situations he worked in a church as a pastor and so you know we I just gained a life experience that I didn't have after my undergrad and so that was I think that was a strong point um, for my application to medicine was that experience and I wrote the MCAT again 15 years and one day later after the first time I wrote it and did well and I feel like I was a very different person and I didn't apply the first time but the second time I applied I got in everywhere I applied and I chose U of C um I felt most at home there when I went for the interviews and it just felt like me felt like there was people like me and there were some older people that had had careers before and a lot of nurses and it was I should say to most of you probably know but Calgary is the condensed um, we we do it in three years instead of four Mm -hmm. it's still the same amount of time you just don't get summers off to do research or have a job right so that was appealing to me with a family um, and when I finished that, I matched to uh, residency in Grand Prairie. So I did my residency program there in family medicine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So how many, that's something I actually want to ask someone who's gone to 
um, UFC for medicine is I, I noticed a three-year program instead of a four, which I feel like could be really appealing to people because it shortens your shortens it down from 13 years to 12 years for which can seem appealing to some people. But I was wondering like how how big of a course load were you getting during that during those summer time? Um, time? Yeah, you never really thought of it that way I think because they don't it's not the same like in your undergrad you know you usually have five courses plus labs but in med school it's more just you get a schedule of here's when all your lectures are and here's your exams and so I mean you're basically in school you know Monday to Friday eight to five kind of thing um and the nice thing about med school is I found it it's a lot of studying, but it's not a lot of papers or assignments. There are a few assignments, but mm. so it's totally different from undergrad in that way. Right. I've also heard it can feel a little bit more relaxed because you're not competing with everyone else to get to the top of the, get to the top of the class and get the highest marks. Cause you're already in medical school. You've already kind of completed that part of the journey. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is actually a really hard thing to get your brain around. You take a bunch of type A kids that are used to being the top of the class. And all of a sudden, now it's more about your knowledge level and your career and how can you get ready to be a doctor. And it doesn't matter anymore if you get 100% or 80%. What matters is that you have an attitude of learning and obviously that you're teachable so yeah you just can't fail that's the only thing yeah no yeah. failing although I will say they are very invested in helping you pass and remediating people that are having problems it's very hard to get into medical school I would say it's harder to fail out because they do have really great support systems in place yeah I was I was talking with someone who just doing medicine at the U of A and they said the same thing that when, when you get into medical school, it's so hard to fail because they, they really are there to push you and get you through because you've gotten in. So I feel like that's, that's such a important milestone is getting in really. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So originally I thought you wanted to do obstetrics and gynecology, which I guess was true but you actually ended up doing family medicine. So can you talk to me a little bit why you chose that? Was it maybe just, less less school less training maybe or was it actually like a different you realized you want to do something different uh, a little bit of both and you know originally before I had a family I wanted to do general surgery and then okay. as I had a family I started thinking no I think I want to do obstetrics and um and I shadowed some obstetricians and got some opportunities to do that and that kind of helped me decide I wanted to go to medical school so that was kind of the thought that I was thinking and I wasn't really thinking family medicine and to be honest there's a bit of a I don't know what the word is but it's family medicine gets a bad rap and people talk about backing up with family medicine or Mm. they and it seems like it's a lesser specialty and it's treated that way and given less respect so I think I had a little bit of that in my head that oh I didn't want to just be a family doctor and I actually hate right. when people say just a family doctor so but um yeah and as I went through medical school um 
I had opportunities to shadow in rural areas. The UFC set it up. So we, on a weekend, we could sign up to do an eMERGE shift in like Didsbury or Olds or Pinch Creek. And uh, I guess it was Black Diamond. And so we would go to those places and do those eMERGE shifts. And I thought, oh, I actually really like this. And I like like the opportunity to do procedures and the kind of people you see in rural eMERGE. Um, and it was just doing full scope medicine from, we call it cradle to grave. And, um, and you can include low risk obstetrics in that. So I think that's what kind of sold me. It's, oh, I can still yeah. be involved in obstetrics, but I actually really love treating men, women, children, elderly, and it fit well in my scope. And also I have a family and came to medicine later and I thought, this is just nicer to be done. I'm not sure it was worth the extra three years. Gotcha. They also say, if you want to do obstetrics, you should love surgery. So I spent a lot of time debating, do I really love surgery? Do I need this? Or will yeah. I be happy not having that? That's interesting. Because I, I have heard that in medical school, you do get to try a little bit of everything. So is that kind of what you were talking about with the shadowing, being able, having opportunities to shadow different um different areas of a hospital yeah so and they do throughout the first couple of years of med school you always every course you know when you do your obstetrics course you get a certain number of hours shadowing in that area and when you do neurology you get a certain number of hours shadowing in that area so that's yeah. always nice early exposure and i think it was a good idea that the ufc started doing the early exposure to rural emerge because that was kind of on the side it wasn't required but it mm. was really what sold me on doing rural medicine. Okay. Someone also once told me in clerkship that if you find yourself thinking about the patients that you saw in your previous rotations and wondering how they're doing, um, that's a sign that maybe you would like family medicine because you want to follow people their whole lives. Right. If you're happy to just be like, yeah, I treated that and I will never see that patient again, then maybe family medicine is not for you. Yeah. So um, another tip that I always tell people when you're trying to pick what type of medicine you want to do is when you're doing those um, shadowing rotations and meeting the specialists, um, try and meeting the residents in those areas, try to find your people um, mm. because you're going to find people that have similar interests you get along with, you think the same way. And that's a good sign that that specialty might be for you so a if they're similar to you and they chose the specialty and they like it there's a good chance that you will too and b if you have to train with these people for two to five years and then work with them for the rest of your life you want to like them that's a good piece of advice i never thought about that before that's that's interesting that's cool so be being a more recent graduate this is actually great because I feel like something that gets overlooked when applying to medical school and actually getting in is the the interviews. Um, I was wondering if you could, now this will be more specifically to Calgary. Obviously, I think different schools have different types of questions, different processes, but for you, like, were you nervous going into it? Did you know the questions beforehand? Like, what was it all like for you? Yes, I was very nervous. And no, you don't know the questions. You know the basic format. So I interviewed at Calgary, Saskatoon and Edmonton. Okay. And um, 
they all had MMI, which is, oh, now I forget what it is, multiple medical interview, something like that. Um, and I don't know if you've seen on TV or heard people talk about it, but you basically stand with your back to a door and when the timer goes off. And so this was all in person for me too. I think a lot, they're all done online now, really? right? Yeah. So anyway, we'd stand with our back to the door and when the timer went off, you turn around and there'd be a prompt on the door and you would read a brief statement about what's going on in the room or what you're required to do in the room. And then you would have, I forget how long it varied depending on the place could have been anywhere from like five to 10 minutes you'd have in the room. And then they'd give you a warning when the timer was up coming up. And then you leave that room, you go to the next room and you do the same thing. And then there could be however many number of stations. Okay. So one of the schools I interviewed at only had that, um, mm. or maybe two of them. Calgary, I thought was most progressive at the time. And they had those, they also had a group station where you were given like a scenario and you had to work it through as a group. Interesting. And yeah. And we knew about that ahead of time that that was going to happen, but you obviously don't know the scenarios. Right. And then they also had more of a traditional panel interview where you sat down with two or three inter interviewers. And I think we did know ahead of time what they were going to ask us. Okay. Okay. So do you feel like those first, that first kind of type of interview is kind of more to assess how you handle pressure because you didn't know going in what it could look like sort of thing or? Yeah, I think it was a lot of, yeah, like how do you handle pressure? Cause they don't expect that you're going to have medical knowledge. So mm. some of them might be ethical situations or some of them are even just like puzzles um, just to like see your thought process or how you talk through something or, um, a difficult person that you have to deal with and how you handle that, right? Interesting. So yeah. what did you do to kind of prepare for the interview? Like going in, did you have a plan almost or? Yeah, so I tried to read online like what kind of questions they could ask you and that was helpful. Um, <clears throat> I probably... I know a lot of people like would practice online with their friends. I didn't do a lot of that. I think I had, I just drew on my life experience and my ability to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I did practice some sample questions kind of just in my head. Um, and I did have one time where I had some physician friends that put on a mock interview for me, oh. but they, I will say that they, they interviewed in a time where it was just more a panel interview style, right. not the MMI. So mm -hmm. I remember coming and there was three of them on one side of the table and then me, and then they would ask me some of these questions and, and they gave me feedback after, and that was helpful. Right. Right. Okay. So do you feel like they're assessing more the manner in which you answered it? Like in the panel saying, I should say, like how you answer the questions and how you kind of work through it or just do you think it was more based on like the quality of your answer and how you responded to it I think mine was I mean obviously like we can't talk about actual interview questions but mine was more about my life experience and so and then also I used we had to write an essay for U of A I'm not sure if they're still doing that but for mm -hmm. both of those things I talked about 
my experience coming to medicine and how I had that big gap where I thought, okay, maybe I'm not going to do medicine and how I had changed from mm-hmm. being in my first degree and being very inexperienced and probably not good with people, but I had all the book smarts and then mm-hmm. how I gained all that people knowledge and ability to work with people in difficult times and came back to medicine and how I feel better prepared. And I think that went over well in my interview and in my essay and was probably a big part of getting into medicine. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing I did want to ask you about is going back, what was it like writing the MCAT 15 years later? Like how much revision did you do? Like what did you prepare for for that? I feel like it's a very unique scenario. I had to start from scratch. Thankfully, I had been tutoring math and science for years. So I felt like just like my number sense was very sharp still. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the first time I wrote the MCAT, it was on pencil and paper. (laughs) So, and then the second time was on a computer. So that was very different. Hmm. Um, yeah, I did a, I think it was Kaplan. I did a, not a review course. You can do those, but I just bought their study books and looked up online. They have a 12 week guide to preparing for the MCAT and what chapters you should read every day and when you should start doing full length practice tests. And I basically just followed that. That's interesting. That's cool. That's a, that sounds like a really good resource. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. And really the practice tests, I think, were a big part of it because you just need to be used to writing a full day exam. You need to find where your weaknesses are. And so um, you have to start doing the practice tests early. You'll always feel like there's more you can study. But Yeah. So how long did it take you to write the exam? Um, it's broken into four sections and each one has a time limit. And so I took my full time and I can't remember, I thought it was like an eight hour exam, like Mm -hmm. around two hours for each section. But so you, yeah, I went to a writing center in Edmonton and they have like a metal detector and you check all your stuff in. And if you have to leave to go to the bathroom, it's very strict. It's just very, very well controlled so that nobody's cheating and that there's appropriate identification you can't take the test for someone else all of that right that's wow that's crazy okay so you did residency at u of a can you kind of give us like a bit of a feel for like what did a day-to-day look like as a resident there sure um i was going to say one other tip about interviews is we talked about the the pressure, like they're kind of looking how you handle pressure and how you work with people. And they are looking for people that they would want to work with and train with in the future or someone that they would want to be in the profession. But they're also looking for red flags. And so we talk about red flags in medicine as being something don't miss red flags. Um, But in the interview process, they kind of mean um, like, are you, were you rude to someone? Did you say an inappropriate comment? Were you late? Were you unprofessional in your behavior? So these are things that they would consider a red flag and they would, I wouldn't say like bar you from it, but it would, it would go on your evaluation and they take those very seriously. And I always tell people, 
remember that you are being watched and evaluated the minute you step onto campus. So you are welcomed by wonderful people that show you around and lead you to your stations. And they're usually um, like first or second year medical students. Mm -hmm. And they're really wonderful. And when you get into medicine, you often see them again and they ask how you're doing and they're very wonderful. But also if they notice red flags in the interactions you have with them or with the other interviewees, they have the ability to put that on your file and to mention that. So don't just think that, oh, just the time I'm in the interview, I have to be very professional. You need to be very professional the whole day. That's great. So you're being evaluated the moment you get there, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, they don't have any official thing where they give a score, but if they notice a red flag, they they are asked about that. Gotcha. Wow. That's a good piece of advice. That's I feel like that's something that could go unnoticed very easily. Yeah. So thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So we were talking about residency. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll just run through medical school a little bit too. Yeah, medical sure. school, the first half is more um, classroom and didactic teaching um, with some of those experiences in the hospital, like I mentioned, you know, maybe six hours for each course that you would actually spend shadowing in the hospital. Um, <clears throat> and then the last half of residency. So, you know, at a four-year school, that'd be the last two years. But at our school, um, oh, and I, medical schools always start in July. So for us, I think around January or February is when we started clerkship. Um, so that would have been technically our third year. Yeah. So um, you become a third year in January, February. It's kind of off cycle of the other schools. Starting <clears throat> school at the beginning of summer. So that's interesting. Yeah. And actually, I'm not sure with the four-year schools, they might not start as early. They might start midway through August, but Calgary starts right at the beginning of July. Hmm. And um, yeah, and then in clerkship, you are solely in the hospital. Uh, very little classroom stuff, maybe um, once or twice a month hmm. you have classroom stuff. But other than that, you it's a block system. So you might have... Um, and a block is four weeks. So you might have two blocks of general surgery and then you just get up in the morning, you join the residents, uh, you have patients that you see, you report to the residents, you report to the staff. You're not, you can't put in orders of your own, but you, well, you can put in orders, but the resident has to approve them or the staff has to approve them. Right. Um, so that, and you do that through each specialty, through family medicine, through rural family medicine. And that gives you the skills and the knowledge to be able to practice independent medicine, um, but also it helps you to choose what specialty you might want to do. Okay. Um, you also have an opportunity to do electives where you can arrange and pick um, something, some things of your own choice. Okay. So a lot of hands-on experience, it seems like. Yes. Yeah, and I will say uh, residency is very similar in the sense that it's set up in a block system and you rotate through the different specialties. Although for me, family medicine, there was more of a focus on family medicine. So I still rotated through pediatrics, peds emerge, emergency, palliative, obstetrics, surgery, psychiatry. I'm probably missing something. Oh, orthopedics. Mm. But then 
roughly half of my training was spent doing rural medicine. And so we would go to a small town and, and in that small town, then you would do clinic, emergency, maybe obstetrics if they had it. Um, and the focus, I would say it's less stressful for, for me, I found residency less stressful than clerkship. Um, oh yeah. Cause we were talking about med school being less stressful than undergrad. Cause you're not competing as much. Right. Oh, okay. But the thing that I found still every rotation that you do, so you might spend one week with a preceptor in med school and they are going to write a small little paragraph that shows up on your permanent record about how you did on that rotation. Who so writes who writes it? Yeah. Who writes it? The doctor that you're, is your okay. preceptor. Okay. So, yeah. And so I found that very stressful and there's a lot of pressure to do well on every single rotation because that note is going to go on your record. And then when you apply to residency, all of those notes show up to every single program that you apply to. So you could really get blackballed, I guess, is what you're saying. Or the bad yeah. Problem. So, and again, they're watching for red flags and, but they're also watching for your knowledge level and how you do with patients and what your skills are like. And so it's, it is a lot of pressure especially if you're going through rotations that you're not really interested in, but that right. note is still going to show up on your residency applications. Yeah. So then applying to residency is almost like applying to medical school all over again. There's a national system called CARMS and it's a computer algorithm that you put in your choices of where you want to go and rank them. And then after the interviews, so there's interviews again for residency oh, wow. and then after those interviews those programs rank all the residents in the order that they want them and then the computer algorithm matches everyone so there's one day in march or april things are a little off right now because of the covid pandemic it changed the timelines but mm -hmm. one day in march or april where every fourth year medical student gets an email that tells them what their specialty is going to be and where they're going to live for their training. Whoa. So you really don't have the greatest, like, like how much of a decision do you have in what your specialty is going to be? Well, I think if you've set yourself up well and you're realistic about things, like most people do get I would say, especially family medicine, you're going to get in your top three, I think they say. Mm -hmm. um, certainly there are people who apply to specialties that don't end up matching to those for whatever reason. Right. Uh, I have heard a lot of people say that was maybe the best thing that happened to them, say they matched to another specialty instead. Um, mm -hmm. And then in the end, they said, no, actually, I'm a much better fit for this other specialty. So I will say, you cannot match to something you did not apply to. Okay. So, and when you put in your list of choices, you can decide not to put some of those things on there. Mm. So you pick anything that you would be willing to do or move a place you'd be willing to move to. And it's legally binding in the end. So when they pick one of those places that you said you'd be willing to do, you have to in turn be willing to go there, right? So no take backs is what you're saying. Yeah. 
So I actually was still trying to decide if I was going to do obstetrics or family. So I interviewed at a few obstetrics programs and some family programs. And when it came down to the ranking, I ended up ranking family programs higher than obstetrics. And I ranked Grand Prairie first and that's what I got. So I actually don't know if, if I would have ranked obstetrics first, if they would have ranked me back, if I would have been chosen, or maybe I would have gotten a lower down choice. But in the end, I chose family medicine and that's what I got. And I was very happy with that. That's awesome. That's cool. Okay. So I think we were talking about what a day in the life of a resident feels like. Yeah, too. if you could touch on that quick, that'd be great. Yeah, so I talked about how it is like a block feel. So we go through the different rotations. Um, <clears throat> yeah, usually you you show up, it's maybe seven or eight in the morning if you're on surgery, maybe six. Um, you're seeing patients all day, you're touching base with your preceptor, but in residency, there's a lot more independent seeing people making decisions on your own, putting in orders for nurses, and you're actually able to put in orders now compared to medical school. Um, there's a transition throughout residency of becoming more and more independent. Um, and it's more, I would say it's like driven within yourself because you're realizing, okay, I'm getting closer and closer to practicing on my own. So yeah. I need to cut the strings and I need to be able to do this on my own and make my own decisions. Right. Um, so you usually spend your day seeing patients, doing procedures, writing notes or discharge summaries, and working with other members of the healthcare team like nurses or pharmacists. Um, and I always tell people the more that you can push yourself to come up with a management plan, even if it's wrong, that will help you grow and be ready to for independent practice. So again, it's kind of this attitude of learning is very pervasive in medicine. Right um rural rotations or like rural medicine part of the reason why I chose a rural family medicine program was I just felt it was more the kind of training I wanted um it's a lot more personal it's a smaller program you get to know the specialists at your home site hospital because right. you run into them a lot over the two years um Whereas I felt in the city, I'm not from a big city, so I felt kind of lost in the big city. I, you're just one of the numbers. So I liked the smaller site. Um, also, Grand Prairie, most of the, I would say most of the rural sites are like this, but not all. But Grand Prairie is not service-based. So that means that they don't always have a resident on obstetrics, for example. So if there's no resident on call then the obstetrician handles everything if there is a resident then some of the stuff goes through them first so basically they're used to running things when you're not there um which just kind of makes for a better work-life balance there's not as much pressure and kind of dirty work that goes to the residents also the call shifts are most rotations the call shifts are home-based so if there's not really anything going on oh and when you're on call it's usually 24 hours but if there's not really anything going on then you can go home and so for me that was really good for family life whereas when I was in medical school if I was on call I was sleeping at the hospital and so I wasn't home as much okay okay that's cool 
Um, I also was lead resident or they used to call it chief resident. And so that gave some extra responsibilities with admin work, meetings. I submitted call for the residents so that they could get paid for the work they did because that's on top of your salary. Um, and just kind of checking in with them for their mental well-being and seeing how their rotations are going, seeing what improvements we can make to the program. Yeah, I heard it can be pretty grueling some of the hours you work as a resident. So it's good yeah. to you to check in on them for sure. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes rotations don't go so well, or, I mean, like we talked about before that it is hard to fail out of medicine, but there are times where someone will fail a rotation and then they have a, um, a pathway set up to help you get back on track. So they, that usually involves remediation at a site in Edmonton. It involves some extra months of residency. So sometimes things like that happen and it's nice to be able to walk with people, walk through that with people as they're navigating that. Nice. That's cool. Okay. Um, one last question for you, unless there's anything else you want to add about residency. Oh, we're good. No. So looking back now, the you've had the chance to kind of look back on how you got to this point. If you were to give a piece of advice to someone interested in doing medicine, no matter where they might be on that journey, um, what would what would you think it would be? So I have a couple thoughts, um, but mostly just it is a marathon to get into medicine and to go through training. So many, so many people are great applicants and not everyone gets in. Um, there was a previous admissions officer from Calgary that used to talk about how it was like a lottery and you have so many people that are so good, they just can't pick. And so maybe you'll win the lottery this year and get in. So people often end up applying year after year. And it's not that they're bad applicants. It's just that there's so many very good applicants. Um, or if you're like me, you don't end up applying because life changes. You start your family or you're burnt out from years of working so hard. So I actually counsel people interested in medicine that during your undergrad, you should pursue a career that you would be happy doing in case you don't get into medical school. Um, or if you don't get into medical school for three or four years, then you have a career. I had a Bachelor of Science in Biology, which I felt wasn't the greatest maybe for getting a job or having a career. Like I did, I worked in a lab and then I started my tutoring business, but um, I just didn't, I wasn't very career minded. I was very focused on medicine. So I always tell people to think about how you make yourself marketable. And that also helps in your applications to medical school. So do yourself a favor and make yourself marketable, get good life experience. All of that will help on applications. And I also tell people, keep a journal with the things that you're doing. Keep track okay. of volunteering, work experience with dates, how many hours you worked, and a contact person that will verify that because they are going to ask for all of that on your med school applications. And if you're like me trying to go back 15 years to some of that stuff was a real pain. And they also like to see that you've been doing some things for a long time, not just that you started, you know, the 
you decided you wanted to go to medicine and then you started getting involved. They want to see that you've been doing things for a while and that it just shows that you're involved in your community. Right. So, so yeah, just don't go through your first degree and plan to follow that up with medicine because it's just not always the way it works. Be open to having another career while you're applying. And then you can see if you still want to do medicine and all of that will just help that process. The only other thought I have as someone who went through medical school with kids, I actually wouldn't do my journey any differently. It's totally possible people do it or they have kids during medical school or during residency. It's very possible. Um, don't put your life on hold for medicine and rather let medicine fit into your life. Well, Dr. Biet, you said it all. Thanks so much for coming on the show. This was an awesome conversation to have with you. And I'm glad that other people will be able to hear this conversation as well. Thanks so much for being a part of this initiative and take care. Well, thanks very much for having me and good luck in your medical future. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Journey to Medicine. If you like the show, please leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, and I'll see you next time.